The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. We don't construct our identities and then go out into the world and bounce off other people. Layer upon layer of identity is constructed through the relationships we have with others. When someone is in close proximity to you and they shift some massive aspect of how you knew them, it leaves you standing on ground that suddenly feels shaky. You look up and you think, what else don't I understand about you and therefore about me? And I think we have to be honest with ourselves that that's a scary personal moment. Hi, it's Tuesday, and we're back with another episode of The Next Big Idea Daily. Once again, I'm talking with Jesse Hempel, author of The Family Outing, a memoir. Our topic, inspired by her book, is how to maintain and even improve your relationship with your family. In some ways, these can be the hardest relationships to manage because over years of intimacy, the misunderstandings and resentments can build up. As we talked about yesterday, even agreeing on the facts of your childhood can be difficult. But there's another challenge that comes with long-term relationships like those you might have with parents or siblings, and that's listening. It can be especially hard because you think you know these people. So when they tell you something that contradicts your idea of them, it can be hard to hear. Often when the people with whom we are closest, family members, for example, or close friends, when they share new information with us, we feel threatened. It causes us to question our own identity, to ask ourselves how we missed something so fundamental about a person we love. It's important to exercise some self-compassion here. This is normal. We're human. But we can strive to show up differently. Consider the phone call my brother made to tell me he was trans. I had been out of the closet for half a decade by then. I considered myself to be a progressive person and had friends who were transgender. But when Evan told me that he was a boy... I didn't let him finish his sentence before I dismissed what he was telling me. I just saw you over the holidays and you were wearing that long, flowy dress, I told him. Looking back, I regret this. I wish I had made more space to listen to him in those moments, to hear what he was trying to tell me. Now, when someone reveals something to me and I don't know what to say, I aspire to embrace three words. Tell me more. When I don't know what to say, I just keep listening. What do you think you did wrong in that moment? I think that whenever anybody is close to us, as close as, say, a family member, and they reveal something about themselves that causes us to understand them differently, it's somewhat terrifying. And when I say terrifying, I mean existentially terrifying. Mm. Our first reaction is actually to try to take care of ourselves, and we grow defensive. And so often, rather than open up to whatever they've shared, we try to shut it down. In the case when my brother came out, at that point, I was already out myself. I had been out for six years. I was a progressive person. At least I fancied myself to be. Mm -hmm. I uh, was very comfortable with the idea of someone being transgender. And my first response to Evan when he called me on the phone and said, next week when I come to your master's graduation I would like to go by the name Evan, and I'm a boy. I said, oh, no, you're not Evan. What are you talking about? 
<laughs> implying I know you better than you know yourself, implying your truth is not as true as my truth, you know, my truth about you. And I wish, I wish I could go and take that back, right? Because mm-hmm. that was coming out of my own fear that this person I knew so well wasn't who he said he was. And so what else wasn't true in my immediate small, like, sort of construct of identity? And if I had it to do over again, I would try my hand at doing what I figured out how to do finally during this whole project, the the memoir project, which is simply to say, tell me more about that. Yeah. Because if you react quickly, you're probably reacting out of your own fears or your own confusion, your own needs, which maybe in this moment do not need to be at the center of attention. Maybe this is a moment to really give space to your friend, your family member to speak their truth and not shut it down the way we instinctively maybe sometimes do just for conversational purposes. Like, well, I got to jump in here and say something. And the first thing that's coming to me is like, this can't be right. So that's what I'm going to say. It also speaks to identity and how identity is formed. And it's not formed Mm -hmm. in a vacuum. We don't construct our identities and then go out into the world and bounce off other people. Layer upon layer of identity is constructed through the relationships we have with others. When someone is in close proximity to you and they shift some massive aspect of how you knew them, it leaves you standing on ground that suddenly feels shaky. You look up and you think, what else don't I understand about you and therefore about me? And uh-huh. I think we have to be honest with ourselves that that's a scary personal moment. And and it deserves to be. You get to have your process around that. Just please be mindful of the person you're having it with and make sure it's not your family member or your friend, at least yeah. not at first. But I think this comes up in smaller ways too. Like it doesn't have to be this massive identity thing. I think about this as a parent sometimes when your kid says something like, I'm tired or I'm hungry. Sometimes you have an instinct to say like, well, that can't be right. You just ate or you know, you can't be tired. You, you know, you just had a nap. And in this small way, you've just denied the reality of what they're saying. Um, and I think that can be really destructive, you know, over time, you know, if, if kids start to feel like their truth isn't being heard or acknowledged, you know, and you can do it with friends, you can do it with, um, strangers really. Like if you're kind of shutting people down habitually, that's going to have an impact on them, their own development. And that can be really crippling over time, I would think. I think that's the reason why a lot of people, uh, when they first come out, um, certainly a lot of people when they first come out about their sexuality, um, tend to do it to someone who's low stakes, right? Like a stranger Mm. or somebody they don't even know. Like test it out first and see how it lands. Right, because the reaction of a loved one could be devastating if it's not the right reaction. You're open about the fact that you regret your response to Evan. I was wondering if there's any way you can repair that after the fact, either in the specific case with Evan or just more generally, if you've put your foot in it and you've said the wrong thing in a moment, how do you build back the kind of trust that you want to have with your the person you're close to? Ultimately, the family outing as a memoir is a story about pragmatically how you go about the process of repair. Mm-hmm. And repair is so critical and possible. And it begins by acknowledging what is hurt, right? It begins when we, the person who has done something that has been hurtful, um, take the time to explore exactly what hurt. And there's, by the way, a process for this. There's a book that is out 
by Danya Ruttenberg. She is a Jewish rabbi, but in a fairly secular way, has deconstructed the process of repair that almost every faith has offered up over time. And it begins with this idea, like you spell out the thing that has hurt you, and you spell it out until you've got it right because you usually don't have it right the first time around. And then once you've gotten clear about that, you ask for forgiveness and you ask, how can I make this right? Right. And I like to think that I've done both of those things around that event specifically with my brother. I mean, I'm sure just you're acknowledging that you did it wrong the first time goes a long way towards the repair. Just, you know, being humble about that, saying that you're going to strive to do better. And I think you can build back trust and relationships if you're intentional about it and hopefully catch it fairly early. So this isn't decades later that you're having to do this work. Yeah, but you can also do it decades later. I mean, that's something that I, I learned like, and that first part is actually the part that you will spend the longest in. I, I think most of us never understand the ways in which we've hurt the people we're closest to because we never make the space for the conversations in the first place. All right, that's it for today. Just know that the skill of listening to those near and dear to you is one we'd love to help you acquire. And we have a bunch of great ideas about it on our next Big Idea app. You can hear the key insights from books like You're Not Listening, Listen Like You Mean It, and The Art of Conscious Conversations. You can download that app in the App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can share your own stories of difficult family conversations on our community in LinkedIn. Just follow the link in the episode notes. And come back tomorrow when Jesse will share the story of how her brothers coming out as transgender impacted her as a sister, as a progressive, and as a writer. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow. <laughs>